and I will bless your holy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Yes, I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall lad your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever.
Love. <laughs> yeah, and Pastor David will follow her afterwards. Bless you. Love you. Thank you. Oh, I'm good. I am loud, though, so. Loud and proud. Shakaba. Uh, I'm good, actually. He's like, I'm so short, there's no room left. You know what I mean? Emily knows what I'm talking about. So I'm kind of like crunched in a good way. I'm like, come out, I'm ready to meet you, but you know, not too soon. Want a full-term baby, amen. How are y'all this morning? What an honor to get to speak on Father's Day. Thank you so much to Pastor David, one of my spiritual fathers. 
for loosing me. Oh gosh, don't be scared. I feel like it's so somber in here. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> so, Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you are a God who can meet needs. Amen? You're a God of breakthrough. You're a God of power. You are supreme, ultimate, the highest authority. So um, this week has been pretty crazy. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me in the midst of it all and uh, said, it's the season to learn my sovereignty. So I really feel like I have a now word for this body. Um, how many know what sovereignty means? It's, it's like um, supreme power or authority. It's uh, where you are worshiping him as the supreme power and authority. It's not like providence where like you're praying and you're like, God, intervene in my situation, like divine providence, you know, where God just steps in. This is where you're in the middle of all of your junk and you're like, you are the supreme highest authority. Does that make sense? So it's a time to learn that. It's a time where sickness is hitting the body. How many know that? Disease, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's like judgment is beginning with the house of God. It's really like Isaiah 60, deep darkness, but then there's a glory rising on God's people. So it's in the midst of it all, it may seem really dark, but we win. Ha! Amen? Because God is the supreme highest authority. I want to honor my dad who is probably, probably watching right now. Hey, daddy who's going through so much right now and is choosing to exalt the Lord as the supreme highest authority and worship him. He um, uh, lost his right eye, his retina detached and his right eye, isn't that interesting? And then he uh, got diagnosed with two types of cancer at the same time. And uh, now he's battling infections that just kind of keep cycling over and over again. And so I'm like, Lord, you know, it's those times where you're going, what do I do when there's nothing left to do? I was standing in my kitchen and the Lord was like, I'm going to show you what to do when there's nothing left to do. Well, what do you do? <laughs> you worship him as the supreme highest authority. He is God. He's not subject to our humanity. Amen? He's not subject to our little pea brain. He's God. He's infinite. He's endless. Amen? So I had a dream this week. Whew, it was powerful. There was a, a, a black African male, uh, like with an African accent, that came into my dream, and he was running an underground circuit of revival. And... Um, the the house like the rooms was never disconnected so it like ran throughout the entire world does that make sense like one big room but there were like compartments and stuff and he said come with me come with me 
And so me and my husband went with him, and he took me all the way into this little back room, and it, it looked like this little bitty storage room that nobody had ever entered. I mean, it was almost like there was dust everywhere and stuff. And he starts climbing this, like these boxes, and he goes, I have something for you. And I said, okay. And uh, he pulls out from the back this box. And he said, this is the Paul Isaac's anointing. And he handed me this like box and it had two navy blue pins on it with like um, gold writing and inscription and it said, Paul Isaacs. Well, what I didn't know is it was the sovereignty message in it as well. Um, so he hands that to me in a flip-flop, like flew, <laughs> flew off. So the flip-flopping back and forth while you're going through whatever you're going through has got to stop. Amen. So God is pouring out an anointing on writers. And God is pouring out during our Paul seasons where it's like I bear on my body the marks. He's producing Isaacs. He's producing joy right in the middle of our suffering. Amen? Yeah. You see it? So right when you're in the middle of going, my goodness, it can't get any worse. Thunder, light, and, and rain comes down. You know what I mean? You're right in the middle of one of those moments. God's producing the greatest level of glory in you you have ever seen. So all that being said, I, I took the pins and um, God fell on my pen and he said, I haven't called you to teach, I've called you to prophesy. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to play a little clip right now from an amazing movie called Secretariat. Has anyone seen that? I'm going to show this because God spoke to me and he said, um, this is what my sovereignty looks like. So let's watch that really quick. to the end in 
the sovereignty of God. Everyone thinks you're not going to make it, but you're going to make it. That's good, Ezra. Right in the midst of all the speculation, right in the midst of just good grief, this is a disaster. You heard the guys. This is a disaster. No horse can run like But the sovereignty of God has been placed in you from the beginning of time. That, that I will worship you, I will bless you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is making a decision in these critical hours about you and about this church, and he's watching how you'll respond. I'm going to read the word that, that the Lord gave me. This is a season of my sovereignty. Job 37, 14 Stand and consider my wonders. This is the season you will learn what to do when there is nothing left to do. My plans. You will learn to let go of what you thought should happen and live in what is happening. Change your perspective, my child. You will not find me where I used to be, for you have not been this way before. Joshua 3, 4. There is a humor you will find on this new path and a striving you will lower down. Oh, my sons and daughters, purge yourself of bitterness. It will keep you from the gate. Purge yourself of fear. It will keep you from the race. My sovereignty is not giving up. It's giving in. Give in. It shouts, let him run. This is the season of my sovereignty. No one, not even you, will be able to take the credit for the victory I bring about. 
the things I'm teaching you now, the places I'm taking you now, the vision I am giving you now are the very things making you living stones, a chosen people, 1 Peter 2, 5. It is time for the spiritual sacrifice and the house of living stones. This has been a time you have wondered left or right, the fork in the road, but my sovereign plan will bring about the appearance of my heavenly road that you will choose with no doubt. I have been making a decision about this church and about this people, and that decision is still being formed. Your choice to choose my sovereignty will fill your stones with life. It's not about which way, it's about my way, says the Lord. Will you choose my way? Will you eat my manna, or will you see with eyes that cannot see? I am cleansing my prophets and removing kings. My way is here, will you just give in and get on the train? I will heal you, I will restore you, I will appoint you, when you understand that it is only going to happen my way. <laughs> this is not the place you will sow with your seed and weigh and measure your bag, for a just weight and balance are mine. All the weights of the bag are my work, Proverbs 16, 11. Enlarge the place of your tent, Isaiah 54, 2. Enlarge your heart so you can run this race. Finish this race of faith. That horse's heart was 22 pounds. And the average horse is like 8.5. Repent for not crucifying your way. Even in the midst of your problems, repent for diminishing me to others by trying to explain why. I'll tell you why. I am that I am, and my ways are higher than yours. And even when you cannot see, you are to keep oil in your lamps. You are to trust me. I have a plan. I am developing you. I am sovereign. You, who are you to know the end of all things or even your day? <laughs> let go and let the happening begin. It's the suddenlies. It's my glory to conceal a matter. Proverbs 25, 2. He doesn't have to explain anything to you. Do you realize that? He does not have to explain one thing to you. He is the infinite, almighty God. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for demoting you to our humanity. Do you not perceive? Do you not perceive? I am God. Worship me. I was, I am, and I will always be. It's the season for you to learn my sovereignty. Shake it to us. 
Lord, we just receive this word. I receive this word, Lord. You do not have to explain anything to me. Where I have, like Job, said, why, why, why? Come on now. How many of you have been asking why? Lord, forgive us. Yes, we bring our strong reasonings to you. But Father, we want to have the right heart. Give us a heart that your will is established in the center of. You are infinite. You are holy. You are righteous. You are above anything we could ever fathom. You are above anything we could ever fathom. Our circumstances are nothing compared to the glory to come. We thank you for a movement of your spirit breaking out in this place. We thank you for a movement of your spirit breaking out in our hearts. Father, we are the answer. We are the temple. Not made with hands, human hands. But your Ruach breath of life is in us, Jesus. And we will worship you. Amen? We will worship you through it all. Through it all as we learn your sovereignty that you are the supreme infinite power. You can do as you like. Oh, Father, we trust you. We trust you in this season. Let's just say that. We trust you. We trust your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm done. This morning I sat back there and I felt like the Lord was giving me a word and I waited and waited and waited. And then after uh, Holly be Haley began to speak, I realized that the Lord wanted me to release this. He said to comfort his people. Comfort his people. I think many, many, many of us have been going through a crushing, 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 crushing hard time. I know I myself have personally. I told Tony this week, I was like, I'm a fixer. So if there's something wrong, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to pray or I'm going to do whatever has to happen. But there have been things that I could not fix. I totally understand what you're saying. And we get to those impasses with God. And I know through this last five years, there's been so many things I couldn't fix. And the Lord has come. He's always been faithful. And so that is where our trust comes in, is through those experiences and knowing him more and more in deeper and deeper ways. That's how we learn and that's where we build those altars and those monuments where his faithfulness comes. So I felt like the Lord today was saying that he was going to break some yokes. And I felt like that he wanted to touch some people that were going through these places that were very hard. And so if that's you, just stand. 
because I do feel like he wanted to come and comfort his people today because we're not alone. You know, sometimes we feel very alone in these places and you feel like God has forgotten you and you're like, God, what is going on? <laughs> you know, but he hasn't forgotten you and he hears every prayer. He has stored every tear in a bottle and, and, and you will experience the breakthrough. So I'm just going to pray this morning and ask the Lord to send his anointing to break the yoke, to give you that opening, that way into the heavenly realm, and that we can walk above our circumstances, that we can walk in faith and courage and hope and be like secretariat, have that huge big heart that can keep on loving people, that can keep on giving, that can keep on serving, and that will not give up. We, we refuse to give up. You know, many, some of it, you, it's been physical things. Some of you, it's been family. Some of you, it's been finances. There's all kinds of things that we struggle. But God is more than enough. He is sovereign. So I just pray today, Lord, I just ask the Holy Spirit to come now. Holy Spirit, come and comfort your people. Lord, I just ask that your hand would be extended and that you would fall on each person here. You and you alone know every need. You and you alone know every tear that has been shed. You and you alone know what they need. So, Lord, we ask for that breaker anointing to come that breaker anointing to come, that you would push back the darkness, that you would bring your deliverance, that you would bring your healing, and that you would bring your strength and your life into them. And Lord, we release it today, Lord. It is not by might, it's not by power, it's by your spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you're coming even now to bring hope. And as your people stand before you and run in and lay hold of the horns of the altar, that you will meet them, that you will meet them in that place of rest and anointing. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Linda, for, for being obedient. And uh, thank you, Haley. Boy, Haley is a, uh, she's a fiery, prophetic young warrior. You know, hell probably is a little bit on the alert when you rise up and minister and sing and preach. And anyway, I, I, I knew that she had something I wanted to share this morning with her, so I'm just going to cut my time in half. But boy, she had, I didn't know you had a dream. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, we got to have that kind of heart for this hour. You know that, don't you? You know what? Um, hell is not going to let up. The devil is not going to take a vacation. You know, we're going to do a little sabbatical here in a few weeks. Some of you guys don't know that, but, but we take some time during July. Just we don't have any services on Sunday morning. We just, seven, the number seven, July is the seventh month. And it's, uh, we believe it's completion. And then the number eight, August, is a new beginning. But we always cheat a little bit. We start before August. And uh, the guys down in Fort Mill take the whole month. But we're going to take three weeks off. So there'll be no services on Sunday morning. But it's maybe. Maybe. I always say that, maybe. You know, every time I think, God, we're going to do that. And then, God, what if all of a sudden you came on the last Sunday in June? And... Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't take a break. But you know, it's a good thing to rest and get ready for what God's doing. And you guys are going to have to run the race. And boy, that's a great video too. And you know, the heart of secretariat. You're going to have to have God's heart 
if you're going to make it in this hour. I could tell you that everything is peachy and rosy, and you know life is just, you know, like a little, you're floating in a stream, but that wouldn't be the truth. And it's going to be turbulent. There are going to be turbulent times on the earth. If what people are hearing, God, if they're hearing from God, if that's really the word of the Lord, then it's going to get really exciting in America. It's going to get exciting. Darkness is going to cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord is going to cover his people. So anyway, I hope you're encouraged. We don't want to leave you out frightened. I read a scripture this morning. The cruelties of darkness covered the earth or something like that. You ever seen it? It's in Psalm 72, 3 or 4, one of those. The darkness of the earth and the cruelties of earth are in the deep, dark places, something like that. Oh, God, that's a, that's a crazy verse. I'm glad I didn't just pick that verse out and then you don't read anything else, you know. But it's actually the truth. You know, this darkness is going to get darker, but God's going to have a people that's going to rise up and they're going to finish the race strong. So what a wonderful time. I want you to go with me. We're going to speak into Father's Day, but I want to just give the context. But if you would go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I hope you will join. I don't know how many hands went up when Dylan asked, but my hand went up. Robert Slayer will be here Thursday night at 7, and he'll speak Thursday and Friday. And then Josh, and Josh is a little fireball. He was Rodney Howard Brown's youth pastor and and you can't slow him down. And uh, he's been looking forward to coming back. Those guys have been doing meetings together up in New England, up in some places where revivals have happened in the past. So I just think it's going to be an exciting time. So come and tell people. Anyway, let's, let's pray and let's get in the scripture. Then we're going to pray over something, speak about something that I think will speak to fathers. But um, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence, Lord. That, God, it's not about us. It's all about you. It's about your son. And uh, we just exalt Jesus. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you that your word will never return void. It always accomplishes your purpose. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that you've made us for this moment. That everyone in this room, those that are watching online, that you've set us apart for such an hour as this. And you know all the things that are coming, and so you've been adding to our lives the things that we're going to need in this moment, in these hours, in these days. And we thank you, Lord, for the purging. We thank you for the chastening. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we thank you, God, that you have this nation on your heart. And that one more time, you're going to shake America with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe that more than we believed anything. It doesn't matter what the media tells us. We believe what your word says. And that you said, I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we thank you that's going to happen. And it is happening in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Why, well, Justin, it's good to have you and Sheridan with us today. It's pretty awesome. My son and his fiance is here. And uh, Molly, they're getting married in two months. And, uh, and then Emily and Isaac, the whole family. This is pretty awesome. I can't mess up today. You mess up today, you never live it down. That's what Rick used to say, you know, we'd speak, and Rick would tell you right before you got up, don't mess up. You know. And, uh, but, you know, you can, I don't know if we can mess this up in this hour. 
I really don't think we can. You just obey God. You follow God. You follow the Spirit. The best you know how. You trust Him. And you keep running the race. And you're not going to mess up. You're not going to... You're not going to do something that's going to totally destroy the kingdom and the purposes of God. You know that, don't you? Can't do it. Anyway, let's look at the scripture. And uh, this is the chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where we remember that verse that's often quoted when we, you know, an invitation is given now in, in verse 2. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. How many of you heard that scripture before? You've heard that. And it's true that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This is a time like we've never known. I believe in the, in the history of humanity. I believe, I really believe that. And God's calling people to make choices. He's calling people to say who they're going to serve, who they're going to follow, how they're going to live their lives. You know, are they going to be like Him or are they going to be like the world? I mean, if you know, either you're going to be for Him or you're going to be against Him. There's no middle ground. The Lord is somehow removing the gray area. I remember when I was a little boy, 1128 West 8th Street in Bogalusa, Louisiana. We had a, in our backyard, we had a white picket fence. And there was just enough room, you know, to, to get up and walk on the fence. My mom told me, don't do that. But I didn't, you know what I mean? You did it anyway. Just the way it happened. And anyway, we would try to walk the fence. And then you try to walk the back and... If you could make it around, you were the, the champion of the day or whatever, you know. You'd get the plums because we had a plum tree until some stupid hurricane came and blew it down. But we had a plum tree on this side, you know. And that's, so if you could walk the entire fence, you had perfect reach into the plum tree. And then I think it was one of those hurricanes. I can't remember down in Louisiana, but took care of all the plums. But we still walked the fence when we had opportunity. But you can't walk it anymore. I remember when I was a young... Father and, um, and uh, you know, young husband, I prayed that prayer that Joshua, remember Joshua, he said in the Old Testament, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you have spoken that or declared that over your own families? I tell you, this is the day to do it. And God's looking for people that will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Deuteronomy says, I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants will what? Shall live. And so the choices that we make are going to affect generations to come. But also, how, do you, how many of you know it's not just about your confession? Do you know that Jesus said there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say, Lord, Lord. But on that day, he's going to look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. They had the confession, they had the profession, they may have even declared, you know, something that God was saying, but they didn't know him. And true Christianity is more than a profession or confession, it's a lifestyle. Is that correct? And that's in the context. I really want to get to something about fatherhood in verse 18, but I couldn't escape the context of Scripture because you just, it's all there. But look in verse, uh, verse 12, he says... You are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. So he's dealing with the Corinthians. There was something their own heart was leading them to do that necessarily wasn't the will of God. And so you have to 
overlook, you have to overturn your own wants and desires and do it God's way. And that's exactly what uh, Haley was speaking about. But now look in verse 14. And these are some things that we've heard before. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, or that word fellowship means what do you have in common? Has, uh, with, has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has uh, with light with darkness and what accord is Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God and then he goes on and we're going to read that in a moment but notice the four things he says he says what fellowship or what does do they have in common righteousness versus lawlessness and you know we're living in a day that the wicked are becoming even more wicked have you noticed it's almost like there's a mad dash to see who can become the most evil. You know, states are running to pass laws to pass abortion, while other states are running to pass laws to overturn abortion. The wicked are becoming more wicked, but the Scripture says the righteous are to become more righteous. And you have to make a choice in this hour. The ones that Jesus says He's going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you were those who practice lawlessness. So you're going to either be lawless or you're going to be what? Righteous. One or the other. My granddaughter is going to be a righteous one. She's wearing a white dress and she's going to be on the side of righteousness. I can tell you right now. I know that because I declared it for me in my house. And also the difference in light and darkness. And the world's going to become increasingly dark. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. So you can have one or the other. You, if you want darkness, guess what? You can have it. If you want light, follow him. Because you'll not walk in darkness. And then he says, what agreement or communion has Christ with Belial? What does Belial mean? It's just another word for the devil. You know, you're not going to... If, if you're going to live for the devil... Remember where Elijah said, Now if Baal is God, then follow him. If God is God, follow him. And so you have to make your choice up which one you're going to follow. Then a believer with an unbeliever. And then the temple of God with idols. I was thinking when I read that, wouldn't it be... I know we're the temple of the living God, right? What if everybody's waiting for the Antichrist to set his throne up in some temple when he's already set up his throne in a whole lot of temples? We're the temple of the living God. You know, self is as if it's the Antichrist. It's the opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just think there's something interesting in all of that, and we'll have to get into that at some point. But look in verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Say, I'm the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. That means personal. And they shall be my people. Therefore, now we've said this many times, when you see the word therefore, what must you do? You see what it's there for. So he gives you these promises. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to walk with you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Now, you know, most of what I remember... It's all about our receiving Christ, and it is, those that receive Him. To them He gave the right to become sons of the living God. But what if it's also as to whether He will receive you or not? Isn't that interesting? 
Is he going to receive you? He will receive you if you do it his way. His way, not your own way. You can't go, you have to die to your own way. You know, I was thinking also this week, I'd sent out a little tweet. You know, they're telling us you got to be tolerant. You got to be accepting. You got to be all these. What are those other words they use? You know, I don't know. There are all kinds of words. How many of you know God is not tolerant? Now he's, yes, he loves people, but he's not tolerant. He sent his son. The full wrath of God was placed upon his son to pay the price of sin. That's where his tolerance was. He, he sent his son to be crucified so that we could choose him and walk in righteousness. And then he says in verse 18, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, here's another therefore. So if he's going to be your father, therefore, having these promises, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, so that verse, verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. And I want to talk just the remainder of the time this morning about God the Father. As I think back over my journey in my own life, there were like, you know, God revealed himself at different stages in my life. Now, first of all, he revealed himself as Jesus' the son. And that's the way it begins, really, right, for all of us. I'll never forget the day that, you know, my heart began to beat when I heard the gospel. You know, and I couldn't. I wanted to know what was this Jesus all about as a nine-year-old boy. And I went outside and, and I knelt down, if I remember correctly. Maybe I didn't, but I, and all my, every time I try to go back to that day, I see myself on my knees. And I remember looking up. I know I looked up. And I didn't have all the answers. I didn't even know what to say. I just said something like, Jesus, that guy said you're real. And anyway, I'm a sinner. He said I was, and now I know I am. And so would you come into my heart and something like that. I don't know if I said it like that. I probably said something like, God, I've done a lot of bad things. I mean, anything a nine-year-old boy could do, I've done it. You know what I mean? And so, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I believe you died for me. You know what happened? He came into my life. As a nine-year-old boy, it's an amazing. You don't have to know a whole lot. You just know to call on him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I knew enough that I needed a Savior. I knew enough I was lost. And that was enough. But God, but I was just born again. How many of you know when you're born again, you're just born? You're just born again. You just started the journey. And then later on, many, many years later, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I mean, I'd heard people talk about him. He was the second person of the Trinity. You know, God the Father, well, the third, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I didn't know there really was this thing called the infilling of the baptism of the Spirit. But people would walk up to me and they point at me and they say, not many days from now, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what they were talking about. And I, at times, wanted to rebuke them. You know, what do you mean? And I didn't know what all that was about. But then I started just hungering to know more about the Holy Spirit. There had to be more than just getting saved. If a nine-year-old boy can just receive that, you know, there had to be something more. And there was. And I'll never forget the day when I asked and I knelt down by that couch when I received those tapes on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've shared this testimony with you many times. And I knelt down and, and I said, oh God, 
Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. At least I thought nothing happened. At that moment, and then over the next number of years, he began to teach me of what happened. That the Holy Spirit came upon me. Then I discovered that not only did he come in me at salvation, he came upon me. He was with me. And there was the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I've been growing in that. And I don't know all there is to know about all that, but it seems like now God is revealing himself as a father. The fatherhood of God. There's another revelation that God wants us all to get. And I'm, I'm getting some of it. But I believe there's a whole much more to come. How many of you would might say there's a lot more about God the Father that we need to know than we really know right now? He wants us to know that. If you, are, if you understand him as the Father, you know you're going to make it in this hour. You're going to be able to finish the race. And I, so I just looked at about eight places, and we'll just do them quickly. Then we're going to pray and go have Father's Day, okay? And um, how many of you had a good father? How many of you had a bad father? You don't have to raise your hand. But I met a guy two days ago, a pastor. His father was not that hot. And he told us, he confessed it, that his father, he was angry at his father. And he just had these horrible feelings. And he's a preacher. And his father's coming to his church today. On Father's Day. First time ever. His father, he'd been there before, but he said, first time on Father's Day. He's coming, he's got to preach. And he was asking for prayer. He said, God, help me. I need prayer from all the anger. Yeah, we'll pray right now because he's probably preaching right now. So, Lord, we do pray for this man. We pray you give him grace and strength to stand before his father, his earthly father, with the heart of the heavenly father. And that, God, you'd give him great love and compassion and that you would heal him of the hurts and the anger, that you'd restore the years that the locusts had devoured. We pray there'll be a miracle take place in that little church today between a son and a father and because of the Heavenly Father. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to see what happens. I believe this is the hour you're going to pray things and see answers. Suddenly. The God of the suddenness. So anyway, there's, about, there's a few things. Number one, some of the scriptures about who God is as the Father. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to this. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. And so number one, we need to be convinced, absolutely convinced, and you can't be talked out of it no matter what, that He is a loving Heavenly Father. People need to know God loves you. America needs to know God loves you. Now He's angry with the wicked every day. I'm not giving in to that crowd that says God never gets angry. Because I don't read it in the Bible. He's angry with the wicked every day. But he loves you. He was angry so much he sent his son to die to receive the anger, the brunt of the anger. Because there's no greater love than this. And one would lay down his life for his friend. But, you know, no matter who's against you today. No matter what somebody taught, says about you. What they think about you. God loves you. Look at somebody next to you. And just say, hey, God loves you. God loves you. He loves you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son. You know, when we understand the, the wrath of God, that's when we understand the depth, the length, the height, and the width of the love of Christ. You'll know, if you understand what all Jesus took to, to the cross, you'll understand how much God really loves you. 
He took all our sin. And then the next thing is over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. And I'm not going to read it all this morning. But because he loves you, guess what he's going to do? You know what's in that scripture? How many of you know? Hebrews chapter 12. He chastises you. He's a disciplining heavenly father. And in fact, you can go read that later. But those whom he loves, he does what? He disciplines. If you don't get discipline, then you are, the scripture says, you can read it, he's, you're illegitimate. You're not a son of the living God. If you're just going through life and you never feel the, the brunt of the discipline of God, you don't belong to God. But on the other hand, if you do feel his discipline from time to time, that's a good sign that you belong to a loving heavenly father. Because he whom he loves, he disciplines. I've told you that my dad, you know, I, there are a couple things I remember about my dad. And one is every Saturday night, he shined his shoes. He shined his shoes. You know what that meant? His shoes never were dusty. I mean, he had polished shoes, but it meant he, we were going to church the next morning. My dad had me in church. And thank God, you know, as a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, that I could hear the gospel. And I thank God for that. My dad, I mean, there was no option. You, we were going to church. Shining the shoes was a sign the next day you're going to church. You know, you did your dad. And occasionally he would call me in there to shine my shoes. I didn't know what I was doing as a little boy. I'd shine. I'd put some of this stuff on my face and stuff, you know. I'd have a lot of fun, you know. But another thing about my dad is he would discipline me. How many of you had discipline from your father? Thank God we were disciplined. Today they tell us, don't do it. No, do it. If you love him, you'll discipline him. If you don't love him, you won't. You'll let him go their own way. But you can read this later on. But in, in Hebrews chapter 12, here's what discipline from God proves. Number one, it proves you belong to him. You're illegitimate if you don't get discipline. Number two, it means you're loved by him. Number three, it produces life. It's the peaceable fruit of righteousness and life. And then it becomes, we, we are becoming partakers of his holiness. Say his holiness. You'll never walk in holiness unless God takes you to the woodshed occasionally. I'm just telling you, I'm, can I be honest with you? He's a loving Heavenly Father. How many of you feel like you're under the discipline of God right now? Anybody feel that way? So you should confess it. It's a good thing. You know what it means? It means you're a son or a daughter of God. It doesn't mean you had to do something that bad. Maybe he just wants to get you to a deeper level of holiness. You know, a deeper level of intimacy with him. Because I remember my dad, there was, I was going to tell you another thing. He used, he used to discipline me. One time he, he got into it and I thought I was going to die. And I called for help. I called for the police while my dad was whipping me. I think I told you this story. I was going, help, police, help, police. And there was no police to be found. Where, where are you going to, when you need a cop, they're nowhere to be found. And, uh, but anyway, I didn't think I was going to survive. And I felt like when I said help police, my dad whipped me harder. So... I quit calling for the police, and I was too young, but I would have, if they'd had to do it again, I'd have been calling for a medic, help, medic, medic, SOS, whatever. I think I shut up is what I probably did. But anyway, thank God. I'm so appreciative. Because it goes on, he says, you become a partaker of his holiness, and then you, you get the fruit of righteousness, and then also the last 
verse in that text talks about how it's training. It's training. It's the discipline of God. But you know what it says we must do? We must embrace it. Embrace it as the loving discipline of a loving Heavenly Father that has something in mind. And then the third thing about the Heavenly Father, James 1.17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So what does that tell us? It tells us that God is good and that He brings all the time and He gives whatever He brings into your life, it's for your good. It's good, even the discipline that He brings. It's good that God is doing this. And whatever He brings into your life is a gift that He... It's just something that He wants to show you that He loves you. You ever received a, a present for your birthday or Christmas? It just didn't fit well. You know, it just didn't fit. You had to take it back. Whatever God gives you, every gift that God gives you will fit perfectly. And you can stand on Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And if you're called and you love Him, guess what? Everything He brings is for your good. How many of you know that? And then the next thing, the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. He said, Our Father which art in heaven. Now that gives us an understanding of God the Father. First of all, it tells us He's in heaven. But secondly, it tells us what Haley was telling us this morning. That He's sovereign. He's supreme. He's over it all. He's God. He's the fixer. I think Linda was talking about, I needed fix. I couldn't fix myself. God can fix us. He can fix whatever's going wrong. He's the name above every name. He's holy. He's worthy. He's mighty. He's awesome. He's majestic. You never, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a boring place where we just stand there going holy, 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 holy. There's going to be a lot of other... Things we're gonna, I don't know what we're gonna do, but I'm telling you, it ain't gonna be boring. It's gonna be the most exciting thing. It's what you've been waiting for all your life. But you're never gonna run out of ways to describe who God is. Holy is just gonna be just the beginning. Maybe, maybe there'll be different revelations of holy. Maybe you'll say holy, then you'll realize, wait a minute. He's way more holy than that. Holy. Then you'll get another revelation of that. Then wait a minute, he's gotta be way more holier than that. And maybe that'll just go on. But I'm telling you, you'll never be able to describe how holy he is. But he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's in control. You've got to know that he's in control in this hour. And you've got to believe it every day. And then as Isaiah 9, he's an everlasting father. A wonderful counselor. An everlasting father. You know, there are some fathers that have deserted. I've met guys... I want, to t- I want to take him out behind the woodshed when I meet a father that deserts his family. You, you know what I'm talking about? I want to beat the punk out of him. Because first of all, what kind of father is that? You know what I mean? I mean, this Bible says if you don't even provide for your own, then you're worse than an unbeliever. But a father that leaves his, his family, his children. And, uh, but you know what? We have an everlasting father that will never leave us. Never. Never. Some of you, your father deserted you. When you were young, maybe you never met your father. You didn't even know your father. Whatever. You know, there's all kinds of situations. But God's a heavenly father that'll never pick, pack up, and you'll never find his suitcase packed. He's always... And if he does, it's because you're going with him. And uh, because he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And, um, and then the next thing, Jeremiah 3, 4, he says, Will you not from this time cry to me, my father, you are the guide of my youth. 
He's the one who guides us. We wrote, I've shared with you, on the inside of our wedding ring. I don't have my wedding ring today. I think I know where it is. I hope I know where it is. <laughs> you know, I do know where it is. I always wear my wedding ring. I don't know what it means. But on the inside of it, I know what it means. On the inside, we wrote the scripture. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will guide you. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. How many of you know God is a good guide? He's going to guide you all your days. You know, when you have a little one like uh, Warren and Adeline, you know, you get to help guide them along. You know, you, it's really awesome, isn't it, being a young father? It's amazing. But there'll be a day you'll have to let them go because they have to go. They have to find their own way. But God will not let them go. I mean, you're not going to let them go completely. You're going to pray for them and you'll give them advice whether they take it or not, you know. But, but you'll still be there to encourage them along the way. But God will always be there. He's the guide up until your death. He'll be there. And then Matthew 10, 19, and 20, Jesus said, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should say. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. In other words, he will be, he's a Father that will give you what to say when you don't know what to say. When, you're, when you've lost your words. If you trust in Him and you're hearing Him, God will speak through you exactly what needs to be said. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Especially when they deliver us up before councils. Or, you know, before senators or congressmen. Maybe some of us will have that privilege in the days to come. You know, you, you'll be called up for starting a ruckus in your city. You know, turning your city upside down. And they'll bring you before the, the council. And they'll say, we got to do something about Thomas. He's stirring up. He's turning the whole city upside down. You know, you know what I mean? And he is. He is. This man doesn't sit still very long. He's over with, you know, the pregnancy clinic. He's over in the jail. It doesn't matter where. He's just going, doing the will of the Father. And we got to be that way. But God will give you what to speak. You won't know what to say. There'll be times, I'm telling you, you won't know. God, what am I going to say? Well, don't panic. Listen, with the ears that you have that are not that are beyond these ears. You know what I mean? Spiritual ears. He said, my sheep do what? They hear my voice. And he said that it won't be you, but it'll be the spirit of your father. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention this morning. Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the father draws him. The father draws him. Yesterday... I was, um, I don't know, somewhere walking around the property, and someone mentioned, was it Stephen Powell? Last week, Steve, how many of you were here last Sunday? It was awesome. This, we got to get him back. These young guys, that are, he was a true prophet. I heard Jesus through his words, and I saw humility, and I saw all the things I looked for. But most of all, I, I heard the anointing. But anyway, somebody said something. I thought it was Stephen, but he said, Bob Jones, one time God had to interrupt Bob and say, Bob, ask me for three things you want me to do. Wasn't that Stephen that said that or somebody? But anyway, I thought that's a fun, that is an amazing thing to hear from God. And I, I believe, I didn't hear an audible voice, but yesterday, no, it's actually a couple days ago when I was walking about, I believe the Lord asked me that. He said, ask me three things you want me to do for you. 
Now, I didn't want to just jump in, you know what I mean, too fast. You want to take that serious. If that's really God, what, I mean, what would you do? You know, God, give me a million dollars. You know, make me famous. You know, none of that kind of, you don't want any of that kind of stuff. You don't want riches. You don't want any stuff. That's just going to fade away anyway. But so I thought about it and I said, well, first of all, God, I pray you'll do what you've been prophesying you would do through many of the prophets and people that came our way. They said a revival would break out here and spread all across the nation into the nations of the earth. To the east, to the west, to the north, and the south. So that's one thing I said. I said, God, that's my prayer. Let a great awakening erupt in America and let it begin in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Now, some people may think, well, that's kind of lofty. It was my request, not yours. You have not because you ask not. I'm asking God for stuff like that. Now, really, you know, I don't, doesn't matter where he starts. Well, why not me? I'm one of his favorites. No, I am his favorite. And you are too. You are his too. You're his favorite. If God be for you, who can be against you? And then the second thing I thought pretty quick, I said, okay, God, if this is real, you're asking me, I ask that my sons and daughters and really this generation would walk in the calling of God upon their lives. You know, a generation, the millennials, there are many that have given up on them. God hadn't given up on them. There's things written about their lives that they don't even know it's written, but when they discover him, they're going to discover what's been written. And what will be written will be done. And God's going to do a great work in this generation. So I said, God, the generation of sons and daughters, just do something that's written about them from the foundation of the world. Let them know you and follow you and, and just, you know what I'm talking about. And then I thought, now, I didn't answer the third one too quick. I waited till the next day. In fact, it was yesterday. This is, I got that right. Yesterday, I was walking around and I said, okay, God, now I have the third one. Okay, God, do what you promised Bob Jones you were going to do. He had a vision. He had, what, what was he, caught up to heaven. He died, right? And then he came back and God sent him back for a billion soul harvest. One billion souls. That's where I was. I was out at Bob's grave. And I wasn't laying on it or anything like that. I'm just standing around it. You know, wouldn't do anything silly. I'm just praying. I said, okay, God, you gave this man a vision of a billion souls. Now he's dead. He's gone. He's not here. But he touched me. He touched you. He touched many people's lives. I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Bob Jones. He appeared in a dream before I became the pastor. You can ask Shirley. I mean, we were just coaching baseball and basketball and football and doing all kinds of stuff, writing discipleship material. Bob Jones shows up in a dream. And he's pointed because he was at the foot of my bed and he said, Arise, young man, something like that. And in the dream, you can do whatever you want to in a dream, but in the dream I rose up out of the bed. And then with just the next week, Rick called us in and said, Would you pray about being the pastor here? Just right after that, I knew. I said, Rick, I already know. I know I had a dream, a prophetic dream. But I'm asking God for a billion soul harvest. Now, I know it's not going to happen here for a billion souls, but we can somehow be involved in the whole earth. So it's going to happen. I asked my father, and he said, if, I, if two of you agree, is anything, touch it. How many of you are in agreement? Do you know the scripture says if any two of you agree, asking the father about anything, it shall be done for you by my father who is in heaven. So we're going to believe, 
And I believe it's going to begin today. Amen? So let's just see what God will do. I want to pray. Lord, we thank you for the Father God. I thank you personally for all the steps of the journey in my own life where I, I had a revelation of Jesus the Son. And I got saved as a nine-year-old boy that day when I asked you into my heart and I confessed my sin. Lord, I, I didn't know much, but I knew enough to call on you. And you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then, Lord, I thank you for many years later introducing me to the person of the Holy Spirit. And people started prophesying and speaking to me about the infilling and the baptism of the Spirit. And then I started getting hungry to know more and more about the Spirit. And you did it, God. That day that I knelt down beside that couch, you filled me with the Holy Spirit. And I know that's where it began and now it's way beyond. But then I thank you, God, now for the heart of the Father. That you're bringing this generation to know the Father God. And we're going to know that he loves us. We're going to know that he's a disciplining father. He's a chastening father. But he's a God that will never desert us. He's a God that will guide us, that will teach us. He's God. He's everlasting. And we thank you, Lord. And I pray this morning for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because you said, God, our, no one will come to you unless the Father draws him. And I ask God all over America, one more time again, God, that you would draw people to your son, that Jesus would be made famous in this nation from sea to shining sea, that the gospel would be preached with power, with signs and wonders following. And God, I pray that your son would receive the honor that's due his name, the reward of his suffering, the lamb who has conquered. Would you raise up a mighty army that will follow the lamb wherever he goes? One more time, God, shake America with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and believe you and trust you for it. In Jesus' name. I just, here's what I want to do as we get ready to head out. Number one, if you don't know Jesus this morning, this can be your day of salvation. We opened up with that verse that said, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You have to turn to him when the Holy Spirit's convicting you. How many of you know that? You know, I could, have, I could have resisted the conviction of the Holy Spirit that day. And I probably did I'm, uh, before that. It, it took the Lord a little bit to keep hammering on my heart. But I'm telling you, don't resist him today. If he's drawing you, you turn to him. Oh, you, you have to receive him by faith. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of the living God. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe that God raised his son from the dead, that he died, he shed his blood. And you just call on him and you're saved. And then he'll receive you. There really is something about, it's not so much, it is about our receiving him. Don't get me wrong. But will he receive you? And he will receive you if you'll come to him on his terms through the blood of the lamb. And then secondly, I want you to stand in a moment if you faltered, if you've fallen away, you're not as hot as you were. You know, you've grown lukewarm in your faith. Your prayer life is cold. You don't read the Bible like you used to. How many of you know God wants to relight the fire? He doesn't put out a flickering candle. He comes to set it ablaze. And the Spirit of God is here to set your soul on fire this morning. 
And he'll do that. And then also if you just need God, you need help. Just like little Warren was looking up to heaven. When I was quoting that scripture, I lift my eyes to the hills. Listen, you look up to him this morning, you'll find where your help comes from. Your helper is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And I believe God wants to bring miracles today. He wants to do things that are absolutely impossible if God doesn't move. If you need a miracle. Maybe you need, like me when I was in my early 20s, I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I needed a filling. I didn't know what to call it. All I knew is I needed it. And I'm t- he took care of the rest. And things started happening in my life. If you need that experience today, I want you to stand. If any of that fits you this morning, you need a touch from God, you need salvation, I want you to stand where you are. And we're going to pray. You need a fresh touch. Some of you are coming back. You feel like I've grown cold. But today, I'm coming back. I want the fire of God in my life. Others need a miracle. I believe my Heavenly Father is going to hear my prayer. Miracles are going to happen. I've got confidence in Him. He reminded me this morning. Do you know anything that's done without faith is sin? How many of you know that? If you do anything without faith involved, how many things do we do every day that doesn't take faith? You know what I'm talking about. Whatsoever you do without faith, it is sin. And so I was saying, God, every, I'm going to preach today by faith. I'm going to believe today. by I'm going to pray for miracles by faith. And God's going to honor his word. So anyway, we'll wait one more moment. Anybody else? You need something from God this morning. You need Jesus. This is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. How many of you know he's in this room? He's here. He's here. God is in this room. I'm telling you. How do you know that? By faith, but... Because he promised in his word for one thing. But I know he's here. And he's going to touch people's lives. So Lord, I pray right now. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one who lived and died and rose from the dead, I pray in the sovereign name of God Almighty in the name of His Son, Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone lost in this room, anyone watching, I pray right now, Lord, that as they call out to You, that, God, that they'll be saved. Lord, I thank You. It's often not just our praying the little prayer. It's just our something acknowledging You in our heart, believing that, God, You raised Your Son from the dead. You said You would be saved. And so I thank You right now. There are people that are calling on You. And they're confessing their sin and they're saying, God, I repent to the best they know. Lord, I repent and I choose to follow Jesus. They've made the choice today. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that hears and you're a God that saves. And then, Lord, I pray for miracles this morning. I pray, God, there are things that doctors have given up on. Or at least they've said there's the only hope is take this prescription. Lord, I thank you. We're not bound by prescriptions. We're bound by the word of the living God. So, God, I pray that you'll move on behalf of people and there'll be miracle, marked miracles this morning that happen. There will be no explanation of except God did it. I pray in Jesus' name. I break every power and every spirit of infirmity and I pray for the power, resurrection power of Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray for those that have grown cold and they need fresh fire. 
Just put your hand on your chest. Just if you're sitting or standing, just Lord, I pray fresh fire, fresh fire. Just turn up the heat, God. There'll be fresh fire and passion for your son, passion for your word, passion for prayer. God will wake up. People wake up with praying, praying, wake up thinking of the scriptures, hunger for your word more than anything else. Lord, forgive us for the idols. If we seek anything more than we seek you, it's an idol. And I pray, God, for the dethroning of idols. You said, what agreement does idols with the temple of the living God? And I pray those idols will be broken today. And we thank you, Lord, and I trust you, and I believe you. And God, I ask you, how many of you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit? You need to be filled with the Spirit. You want the baptism? Some of you, yeah. Okay, Lord, just pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, touch people. Fill people with the Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh in this place. And I thank you for it. And I believe you for the full manifestation of every gift of the Spirit in the coming days and moments and hours. And I thank you for the holy unction. You said the Spirit would be in you, He would be with you, and He would come upon you. And right now, by faith, I release and I pray, Spirit of God, come upon your people to set them apart for the purpose that you've called them to. And I thank you for it. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.